Hello and welcome to the Lifelong Learning Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Gallinato, and this is a place where I sit down with people that inspire me and get the opportunity to learn from them, hopefully giving you, the listener, the opportunity to learn with me as well. In today's podcast, I had the privilege of talking to Will Chow, a blogger and podcaster that focuses on personal development. From timeless strategies on the four pillars of personal development to investing in yourself through online courses, we touch on several topics that revolve around the subject of personal development. If you want to find more information on Will, check out his site, willyoulaugh.com. From there, you'll be able to find all of his useful articles, social media links, as well as his podcast links. And as always, if you want to read any of today's show notes, you can find them all at my site, galleyway.blog forward slash podcast. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Will Chow. Hey, Will, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for having me, Joshua. Thank you very much for coming on. So, Will, you're all, you're all about personal development, and that's how I came across you. And I'm going through your, your site, I, I noticed, and reading your stuff, I noticed that you have a very uh, methodical approach uh, to, to personal development. It's very scientific, in fact, uh, which incorporates a lot of psychological behavior. Um, where did that stem from? Did that come from the, the, those days when you were studying in med school? Yeah, so um, I would say it's my personality to an extent. Um, I think just uh, having dove in into personality research lately, part of it has to do with my, my yearning for credibility and, and trust uh, in terms of advice. But also, I just wanted to know, you know, I think even if people aren't like that personality wise, I think everyone should should find out the truth to how the world works and eliminate biases and uh, anything that might not be true that that could be affecting their success in life. So uh, I ended up stumbling into science as one of the key uh, drivers to kind of how to find the truth to how the world works and not to say that science is a foolproof methodology because you know if the sample size is too small for example that could still have uh, an inaccurate uh, reading but just like understanding statistics and science can help ne even negate that and ultimately find the truth to how reality works yeah, I love it. I love that you take enough time to research the actual subject matter and really delve in deep and look at different aspects of it. It's really inspiring. Um, I noticed on your personal development page that you, you said that your philosophy is to focus on timeless strategies. And I've always wondered, have you ever come, a, uh, come across a strategy that later down the line you realized didn't really work for you? Yeah, of course. I think there's a lot of uh, gurus and books out there. And uh, I always try everything out, even if I'm a little bit skeptical, because uh, I like to be open-minded. And I think a lot of the earlier tactics, sometimes in the productivity sphere, uh, don't always end up working out. And I wonder if it's just because they were the first books or people to speak out on it that they, they grew attention. Um, a couple examples popped to mind. I think uh, David Allen's Getting Things Done was like the first 
productivity book, so it's still wildly popular. However, some of its teachings, although accepted by many, I've just found uh, rather conflicting. So one thing he says is, you know, uh, anything you could do under five minutes or two minutes, you do that now, you do that immediately. Well, uh, you know, that conflicts with uh, Dwight Eisenhower's uh, productivity matrix because, you know, the things that you can do in under two minutes may not be the most urgent or the most important. They may be urgent, but they're usually not that high impact. So, yeah, to be fair, probably that helps build momentum and give you a psychological win. But I could also easily see you being totally distracted or procrastinating on what really matters by kind of doing these uh, short-term tactics. Yeah, just like you, I also experiment and I try many different things. And it took me a long time to incorporate the getting things done approach. I don't know why. I just always, I I just didn't want to believe in it. I, I just wanted to have it my, do it my way and just make sure it worked. Um, but, you know, I gave it a go. Um, and like you said, sometimes some aspects it works, sometimes it doesn't. And I realized in life that similar to when I've read, so I've read so many books now to the point where it just keeps conflicting with each other and I don't know what to listen to or what to learn. Um, and so I realized what's more important is just to go through it yourself and pick up nuances of, of different um, advice here and there and then put it into one. I remember you wrote something, I can't remember where it was, it was in your about page where you had that quote with Bruce Lee where he says, something along the lines of picking things up and making it into your own. Do you remember that? Yes. That yeah. phrase? Yeah, it's it's something along the lines of, you know, you take what works for you and you discard what doesn't. Exactly. And that's what I've been doing recently. And 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 I just find it really helpful. Although it does it does take a lot of time and effort to to venture in and and go into all these new strategies and seeing if it's worth my time how do you um figure out if it's worth your time yeah i think this is a very important concept um there's so much information and there's going to be even more as people make more books so how how do you really determine what's worth your time i i get a lot of book recommendations and of course i can't read them all or some of them are just kind of not geared towards my goals so um, I think everyone should first start off with defining their goals and, and asking themselves why they want these goals and, and getting into a somewhat philosophical place um, to figure out if those are worth pursuing. So, you know, one exercise you can do is just keep asking yourself why. So let's say you want to make money. Well, why do you want to become rich? Well, because I think it will be, make me happy. Well, why do you think this will make you happy? Or why why do you want to be happy? Uh, that will just kind of pull you into your core drivers, your core uh, goals in life. And once you decide that those are worthy, because sometimes they may not be. Maybe you realize that wealth won't bring happiness. But once you've decided that, then you can use that as a guide for what's worth your time and what isn't. And so, you know, I get sometimes bombarded with uh, books and recommendations that are just not 
align with those goals right now. So, you know, sometimes it's a book about stoicism. Other times it's something about a nutrition diet fad. Other times it's about uh, some Navy SEAL story. And so I'll just kind of categorize, does that align with what I am trying to achieve right now? And if it doesn't, then I'll, I'll put it to the side or put it to the, doesn't mean I'll discard it for life. Um, I might just leave it off for a few years or weeks or, or months or save it for my entertainment time. You touched upon the Navy SEALs um, story. I know that you're currently reading uh, Can't Hurt Me, am I correct in saying? That's correct, yes, yes. How are you finding that book? Is it something that um, that you read because everyone else was reading or you were advised to read and or it just fell into your lap and you just decided to read it? So that was that's a great example because that is one that a lot of young men have mentioned to me or, or brought up. And it really wasn't my my goal or focus right now. Um, you know, I, I think I'm pretty covered in mental toughness already. And uh, so it, it really didn't seem like a priority. So I actually put that into my entertainment bucket. Um, ah. So, you know, I have some time in my free time where I just want to feel entertained. And sometimes just I've I've learned after reading so many books that, you know, you can get burnt out just pursuing what's most impactful or effective or most in line with your goals because it can get very serious you know uh and sometimes you just want something lighthearted, and so sometimes that's a fiction book for me sometimes it's a uh you know fun playful non-fiction book and and that was the case with this one and so i put it off for about a, a year or two and i think i finally got around to it uh partially because i thought it was going to be interesting and entertaining, but also because um, I, once quarantine hit, I, I wanted to uh, improve my pull-up count and not lose my fitness. So it kind of jumped up a few notches on my priority list because he was the former world record holder for pull-ups. You talked about mental toughness. I know that in your early days, you always considered yourself to be below average. And that you talked about that life was predetermined based on genetics. Where did you think that mentality came from and how did you overcome it? Yeah, I think that's a cultural thing. You couldn't point it to one person or thing like my parents or the Asian American culture I was raised in. I think probably that had an effect, but um, I think it's, it's a lot of different factors. Um, I think, you know, people can just assume that. And I can't give you an exact cause, but I know a lot of people who, who assume that uh, in life and uh, making that switch, I think is probably one of the biggest things that changed my life. Knowing that I can implement these principles, these behaviors of successful people and change my health, my relationships, my wealth, all those things. It, it changed my life completely. That's amazing to hear. And so I know that you've been striving for timeless strategies. And um, so I want to focus on the four pillars of personal development, which is health, wealth, love, and happiness. Am I right? That's according to you. I, I think that's what yes. you, you see as the four pillars of the personal development. Cool. So I want to do a little uh, quick test. Um, off the top of your head, can you 
uh, list out a, a, a timeless strategy for each uh, health, wealth, love, and happiness. Happiness. Let's start with health. What What are you implementing right now as a timeless strategy? Sure. So health is probably very much a cornerstone uh, pillar because it can translate into success in the other pillars. So it's a great place to start. Um, for me, it's it's about um, I call it the nibble technique, but uh, that's just a name I coined. Many other um, self-development teachers have have brought it up themselves. But consistency can be brought by starting with a small amount every day. And so um, now I use the nibble technique in various ways. Um, sometimes it's about doing one set of uh, bicep curls or two to five push-ups. And the idea is if you can start with a small amount, it's so small that you can't help but to do it since it's so easy. And yet, if you keep that up, it starts to build. And then once you get that into a habit, you can start adding to the duration gradually to the point where the entire process is very easy. So I did this um, four years ago with my exercise. I started at, I told myself, I'm just going to go to the gym for 10 minutes a day. That's it. And then I could leave. And that swiftly ballooned into 15 minutes. And then after a month and a half, it was 30 minutes and so forth. And, you know, for, for four years now, I've been very consistent with working out. And even with quarantine, I, I I faltered a little bit, but I used that same metho- methodology to quickly get into a rhythm uh, when I saw a lot of other people just quit completely during quarantine when, uh, uh, when it came to exercise. That's amazing to hear. I, and you're so right about health being the cornerstone. I've always said, if you don't have your health, what do you have? Um, so that's great that you put health as uh, the top priority. All right, so let's moving on. Move on to uh, a timeless strategy for wealth. What do you implement for yourself in that um, pillar? I think, in terms of fundamentals, just taking a moment out of your life to read one book on the fundamentals of wealth, like The Richest Man in Babylon. Uh, can really just change your whole outlook on your habits and fundamentals. I could probably teach those fundamentals in 30 minutes or less, and maybe an hour or less of a class. And yet people go their whole lives, sometimes uh, screwing over their their finances because they don't know simple things such as spending below their means, or they don't understand what compound interest is. Um or what a Roth IRA is. And, and basically just understanding these simple principles can really just change your your habits and your life. And it's 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 rather tragic to me because I see so many celebrities who who make these mistakes. Uh and it's gonna keep happening. I, I think 50 Cent went bankrupt recently and other celebrities like Mike Tyson, he 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 made like eighty million dollars, but he spent something more like 120 million. And of course he went into severe debt. So it's, it's not always about how much you make. It's, it's taking the time to 
just learn these fundamentals, which really shouldn't take long at all, and then practicing them. You're so right. The the fundamentals are so important. And you touched on the the book, uh, The Richest Man in Babylon. I remember when I read that book many years ago, it just changed my whole mind mindset of of finances. It was just such a simple um, mode of thinking that if everyone implemented this, everyone would be um, more financially stable and, and rich. Uh, but you're right, though, even the richest of rich people are sometimes uh, careless with their money. And, and that's when I realized with money and wealth, it's really relative, even if you're even if you don't earn a lot of money, but if you're wise and, and you implement the, the fundamentals for of money management, you could be wealthy in the long run. Absolutely. Totally so, great. okay, let's do a timeless strategy with uh, love, the pillar of love. All right. So love can mean many things. Um, some people are in the stage of marriage. Others are in the stage of uh, finding love. And so I think ultimately most of us at some point we want to settle down and marry and stay married. And so kind of going along the same lines of atrocities I see in the world in the celebrity world, the amount of divorce is, is staggering and it, it keeps happening like decade after decade. When you look at these celebrities, every, you know, half of them after a couple years, they've divorced, which is just so tragic. And it, it has some, some type of higher divorce rate, but then, you know, even the general public has very high divorce rates. So, so the question for me became, why is this the case and how can I prevent this from happening? And so in terms of uh, timeless strategies for love, I think uh, there is a marriage researcher. Uh, he's he's very highly acclaimed, very successful. He's, he's spent decades studying uh, divorce through a very scientific process. And um, uh, he has a book called uh, What What Makes love last. His name's John Gottman. Uh, he's written a few other books if you want to check those out too, but uh, he has a something like a 91% success prediction rate when the average marriage counselor is about 50% uh, on being able to predict if you're going to divorce just based on your actions. So um, I've studied his teachings in detail and um, I've learned that there's four horsemen for divorce. It's kind of like a play on the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And these horsemen are contempt, criticism, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Um, people get confused what stonewalling is. And it's it's basically when you kind of give the, per, the other person the silent treatment on any act interactions, big or small. So, you know, if someone tries to lean into you and, and, and talk to you or kiss you and you, you pull away or they, they just try and speak to you and you don't respond, that's stonewalling. So, you know, every uh, marriage kind of starts with not doing any of these, but over time, they can definitely grow and grow if you're not wary of them, which can lead to... Uh, the cracks of divorce occurring. So that would be my tip on um, 
divorce and and relationships and marriage and uh in terms of celebrities and 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 that stuff i think it's a good lesson for all of us i think uh, my theory is that a lot of uh celebrities let the flashy stuff overshadow everything you know how rich they are how how charismatic or handsome someone is um but you know they also have a good they probably have a good relationship with that person too but then um when when life and their career gets in the way those those four horsemen probably come out and that can probably lead to a lot of issues that fourth horseman you talk about with a silent treatment i suffer that from i'm really bad with that i know that and for for many years i don't know why i always internalize my anger and i know that's just so such a toxic thing and it's something i'm i'm constantly working on and now that i'm living with my partner um and it's happened uh, you know a few occasions no one's perfect but um i realized just how how it can affect my partner how it can affect other people and it's just such a very stupid and selfish of me to to do something like that and it's something i i'm working on now yeah and uh, that's something that um the author John talks about as well. Uh, he, he discusses how and why we might have certain tendencies to s- certain horsemen, and it it can come to, sometimes come down to kind of how you were brought up. Maybe that was just kind of how you you saw others uh, internalizing their emotions, and it kind of stuck with you because uh, you know a parent or something saw it. So you know, I definitely I definitely struggle with with ones as well. Uh, I think for me, it's probably contempt and maybe stonewalling a bit, but um, just uh, you know, knowing having the knowledge that those exist makes such a huge difference. So I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to to mention those to you. No, thank you for making me aware of it. All right, so let's move on to the last pillar, happiness. Can you uh, let me know a timeless strategy that you've been implementing in your life so far? Yeah, happiness is probably maybe the, in my opinion, the most important pillar. And that's because I think a lot of what we do, uh, we ultimately do for happiness. Uh, Case in point, many people pursue wealth because they think it will make them happy. Um, And many people think that a girlfriend or boyfriend will make them happy so that they pursue love in that way. Um, same thing with health in a way, you know, people on Instagram want to look good. They want that six pack abs. And once they get it, they believe they'll be happy. Uh, but the, the, the truth to the matter is that oftentimes, you know, sometimes it'll give you a little boost in happiness initially, but, or maybe a large boost, but then it, it quickly fades over time. And then you're kind of wondering, well, that didn't last long. I'm back to my normal levels. Or you don't even get that boost initially. And scientists have actually studied this in in great detail. And it's called hedonic adaptation. And it's essentially we adjust to our normal baselines of happiness um, very quickly. When we win the lottery or a tragic event happens to us, um, it's, it's just part of our human nature. And so, you know, there is a certain level of correlation with happiness and income, uh, even adjusted for, you know, living in the third world uh, or 
in a developed country. However, that that correlation drops very quickly once you hit like you know a, a somewhat modest first world salary of about like seventy five thousand dollars USD a year. Um, so my tip would be study some of the principles, the science of happiness, and if you do, you'll you'll discover that. Uh, sure, you can pursue those things, but ultimately, what uh, positive psychology has found to be the most enduring and uh, actual noticeable benefits to happiness uh, stems from the strength of your relationships and other things that are usually well within your control, even if you don't have fame or, or wealth right now. Um so, you know, developing those strong friendships and relationships with your, your your peers, your partners, your family, having a strong community, um, giving back, even if a little, you know, research has shown that just giving back, giving $5 to someone versus spending that $5 on yourself has a, a very noticeable impact on your happiness. Uh, and then... Also, uh, small, uh, you know, the things I've mentioned earlier, uh, cardiovascular exercise, good nutrition, and uh, uh, for some people, uh, meditation and religion have a uh, a bit of an impact as well. That's amazing. You've just listed out many different timeless strategies across all four pillars. I can imagine it will take a lifetime for someone to to get a hold of and to eventually be stable enough to say that, yeah, they've got all, all of those pillars down. Absolutely. And, and that's okay. I think, you know, the journey is in, is in starting where you are and working towards that. And, uh, you know, when you make progress, that's, that's a great celebration. Yeah, that's great. You mentioned about Instagram and I, remember reading or hearing somewhere that you're on a social media diet. How is that going right now? Yeah. So, um, I personally take, uh, platform specific social media diets. Um, I, I don't prescribe to the extremist view that all social media is bad. Um, I, I usually think that any extremes are usually wrong. Usually the answer is somewhere in the middle. Um, and so uh, there's definitely benefits to social media, but there's definitely costs. And uh, I actually have, uh, I took a break from Instagram and it's been about four months, maybe three or four months, maybe even longer. Uh, and it's, it's, it's been going great. Um, I knew in my heart that uh, taking a break from it would not cost me anything. My uh, following on there is, uh, is pretty minimal. so. Um, the people who miss me were 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 few and far between, and even them, you know, I could you know message them and let them know what what I'm doing and point them to my blog. So I think it's been great. It's probably cut out a good portion of my time, uh, and also it's it's definitely been more healthy. Um, I I personally cut it out because uh, I found that in total it's causing me more unhappiness than happiness. Just seeing all the, uh, you know, people on there that make me jealous or, you know, people who have all these like posting the highlights of their life. And so 
you know, that's something that I would recommend anyone to just kind of check in on on a daily basis or not daily, like a, a monthly or weekly or quarterly basis because uh, it can creep up on you. I think um, it's not the first time I've went on a Instagram diet. I think I installed the app four or five years ago. And uh, there are times where it's it's been beneficial. And then there's been times where it's been more more good than harm. And so just checking in on that can can definitely help you out. You're so right about being aware and checking in on it. I too, well, I've not, uh, I kind of gone the extreme route and I've, uh, I've left social media like maybe 10 years ago. Um, but it was something similar to the reason that you were saying that um, you would find, I would find myself just being, just envious of people just because I'll be seeing the highlights of people's days and comparing myself to that um and I just didn't like it I I realized that it just was toxic and it was just eating into my time and so I just t- made the decision just to go go cold turkey and just never go back um and to be honest with you it's like the best decision I've ever made would you will you ever go back to Instagram or is it something you're just weighing out the options i i would consider it i think um social media is like just a huge part of the internet and there's definitely benefits to it um i'm a huge geek in terms of uh studying social media marketing so i'm always plugged into all the the trends and the the tactics to grow a following so i think it's there's definitely benefits to kind of uh you know spreading your message further and reaching more people and helping others. So, um, you know, if the circumstances are right, um, and there's a huge opportunity on there, I would consider it. I, as of right now, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Instagram is very saturated and the nature of it is going to remain this kind of like, here are the highlights of my, my day and look how, it makes you jealous, but, um, you never know. I think they, they've rolled out reels recently, which is kind of like a copy of TikTok. Um, but still I, I, from what I've, uh, tested and experimented, I think TikTok still, as long as it, well, TikTok might be banned by the U S soon, but if it doesn't, I think TikTok's just going to be much more wholesome. I, I, there's less, um, as of right now, there's much less of that envy on there. And it's more of, like uh fun humor and uh sometimes vulnerability and uh so it's it's a different nature and culture on there and it's definitely uh has a lot of uh opportunity so it it just depends on the situation sure speaking of social media on your youtube channel i have enjoyed watching a few of your breakdowns of the masterclass um, series um, were they were they worth the investment um, that that masterclass subscription? Oh yeah, I definitely think so. Um, you know, I've I've debated promoting a lot of different courses and products and stuff on my blog, and ninety percent of the time I say no because I, I want the best for my my readers and. Uh, masterclass is one of those things that I think it's just hit the mark so well. 
the production value is just so high and the clientele, the, the instructors are just world-class. Uh, and they're adding new courses by new instructors almost every two weeks. And so I have that um, all access pass. And I mean, as a, as someone who loves to learn, I, I think I've, I'm on my ninth or 10th course and some of them are just so good. I'm currently taking one by Robin, uh, uh, I think her name's Robin Roberts, and she is the uh, anchor to Good Morning America. And her entire course is about communication and getting effective communication and applying to a job and getting that job. And I, I found it so useful. And she, she positions the whole course as, you know, even if you don't want to be a news anchor, communication is essential to anything you want to do. And I've learned so many things from her life story. Um, she's mentioned how the way you think affects how you feel. So if you don't want to feel a certain way, start thinking different. And she's mentioned how to get your foot in the door and how when you're at a job interview or you're, you're taking someone out for coffee, you don't, you don't even have to ask for the job because that, that would be a little bit pushy. But you can, just by showing who you are, the employer or the manager will naturally, in the back of their mind, start considering you for that job. And if you're good, they'll make room. So, so the long answer, the short answer to your, your question is that I, I definitely think it's worth it. And there's so many different courses on almost uh, any major area that you want to cover. Um, I would say, to be fair, it it's not everything. You know, there's certain categories that you probably won't find on there, like how to use Photoshop or how to program. It's more so these, these masters of a craft, whether that's chess or poker or uh, gardening or uh, writing. They'll come in and, and they'll give you their their life lessons. So, so I think it's, there's so many things that I've been pursuing through books that I found another medium to, to find. That's great to hear. And so these edu educational uh, courses uh, that you use throughout your day, are there any other tools that you like to use to help you stay on top of your day or help you grow as a person? Yeah. So Evernote and audiobooks are two other mediums. And then I would say, well, let's start there. So with Evernote, um, and you could use other uh, note-taking devices, but uh, essentially some type of cloud database where you can uh, form outlines of anything you read or you learn. Um, I found that having a sort of skeleton outline for any book that I really want to kind of retain the information of has been incredibly valuable. It just helps me map out some of the most important concepts and how they relate with each other. Um, I, I say cloud-based because I think if it's uh, if you can access it on your phone, on your computer, and have it instantly saved uh, and backed up, it's it's just very accessible. So, um, you know, when I'm listening to an audiobook, um, 
I can just type that up on my phone and it's good to go. If I'm on the computer, I can do it then. And then audiobooks, I think um, they're a very valuable resource, books in general, uh, but especially audiobooks because uh, you can switch up the speed and still retain the info. And so also because most people can listen much faster than they they read, you can just uh, absorb a lot more of the book. And uh, books are just so valuable because uh, almost any successful per- person you can think of, he's probably written a biography or memoir about himself with all his mistakes, his failures, his life experiences. Not every single one, but you'd be surprised. Like half the time I will find someone I, I admire and I'll just Google his name and biography. And I'm s- shocked to find that he's he, they've written something. Um, a few examples. Uh, I was interested in Kevin Hart. I found out he wrote something. I was interested in Gary Kasparov, the chess master. He wrote something. Um, I was interested in the uh, the best poker player of all time um, and how he kind of used his skills to read body language. So I could apply that to my social skills. And he actually wrote a book with um, another huge fan of mine, uh, or a, a huge role model of mine, uh, Joe Navarro, who's a he's an ex FBI agent uh, and a master of body language. So they wrote a joint book together. Yeah, that's so important. Um, just reading the stories of successful people and just understanding the mistakes that they've made, so that you can learn from them, is just so valuable. I wanted to talk about. Um, time and just because I know that you're a personal development uh, well I don't know if you call yourself a personal development guru but you love everything about personal development and productivity and everything along those lines what distracts you with most of with your time are there any weaknesses that you you struggle with and you're still working on yeah I, I wouldn't describe myself as a guru more as a someone along the journey with everyone else sharing what I've I've learned and I would say I definitely still struggle with uh, productivity and time management. I think my most recent struggles have to do with um, some, some, sometimes the, the basic stuff that I've, I've uh, fought with in the past and conquered, and uh, they've just kind of creeped up again. So for me, it's just um, spending too much time on video games or uh, letting uh, YouTube videos or other stuff that's uh, playing on my second screen distract me from my main work. So um, for those type of things, like usually I just block it out completely and I focus. But other times, you know, when the work gets mundane, I'll I'll flip it up to just kind of uh, multitask and kind of educate myself or entertain myself while I'm, I'm working on the main thing. Um, whether that's like a, a course or, uh, something more entertaining. And, um, sometimes it's just about reeling it back. Like, you know, knowing that, okay, this is starting to take up a large portion of my time and distracting me from my main focus. Uh, I have to get back into things and, and close out. Um, and then other times, uh, 
you know, it just depends on the task. Uh, sometimes I do work more productively when it's a very monotonous task and there's something else I can listen to. Um, and so uh, I think the one thing that's kind of helped me still do so much is uh, just realizing that I have these key priorities that I have to get done uh, at the start of the day. And then once that's done and figured out, then if I waste the rest of the day, it's fine. And just having that mindset usually gets me to knock out what's most important, what's most impactful to my goals uh, first. And by that time, at the end of the day, you know, if I want to relax or, or, or do something unproductive, that's totally fine. Yeah, I feel like I, we do similar, uh, do similar things in terms of starting the day and looking at the priorities. Well, Will, it's been a pleasure talking with you and I've learned so much. Um, do you want to just let everyone know where we can find you? Yeah, if you're interested in uh, learning more about me, I have a podcast and a blog. Uh, my podcast is uh, called Will's Personal Development Podcast. And my blog is at willyoulaugh.com. Um, or you could just search Will Chow on Google and you'll find me. Um, and then my blog has links to my social media, my podcast, everything else from there. Brilliant. Well, like I said, I love your methodical approach and scientific approach and just how thorough you are with everything. Um, it's truly inspirational and I enjoy reading your stuff and listening to your stuff. And I'm looking forward to uh, what else you put out. So thanks again for coming onto the show. And um, I just uh, hope you stay in touch and I hope that uh, we can get, maybe get to do something together. Thank you so much, Joshua. Thanks for having me.